time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Hello, Simi. We found you. Hi. Uh, let's talk about what's going on out there. Sounds like it's going to be a busy Monday at the legislature. Yeah, there's been a backup, as you know, Simi, in getting legislation into the House. Uh, we've now got some clues as to why that's happening, but it's starting to happen. So we are expecting legislation this week on um, abuse of intimate images. So people take selfies, they end up in the wrong hand. Uh, the wrong hands distribute them on the internet and they're embarrassed and appalled and mortified and worse can happen. So legislation restricting that. And last week we got legislation uh, outlawing under the Elections Act spreading of disinformation. So we, as I say, we're starting to get the bills. They're coming a little more slowly than the New Democrats hoped, but they're coming. Okay, now this these are a, a lot of list of things, right, that they all had in their throne speech. Yeah, there are things in the throne speech, but remember, the government also promised that in future it would consult First Nations about legislation. It wouldn't just dump the legislation in and have the First Nations and their lawyers go off and try to figure out what the hell it means for them. Uh, because of the... Uh, role that First Nations have, particularly in land and resources, but also in social programs and so forth. Uh, the the roadblock has been, um, there's a couple of things. Uh, there's First of all, there's more than 200 First Nations in British Columbia. That's a lot of consulting. Uh, second of all, a lot of First Nations are saying, you know, <laughs> you send us these bills and you say we want to talk about it and consult. Uh, you also want to consult on resource policy. I mean, many First Nations are deluged with requests to consult and look at things. And First Nations leaders pointing out they're small. They don't have a lot of lawyers. They don't have a lot of expertise. And the government isn't funding them for the cost to build the capacity to consult. So... A lot of these bills and legislation are held up. Uh, we noticed in the first couple of weeks of the session that the New Democrats were talking things out because the bills weren't there. And they're now conceding that, yes, this is a problem. The resources aren't there. Um, I see Indigenous Relations Minister Murray Rankin telling uh, my colleague Katie DeRosa in the Vancouver Sun today, well, you know, we can't possibly consult all 200 First Nations on every bill. Well... They kind of promised that. Uh, they should have realized the implications. And I think First Nations have a good point, Simi, when they say they need resources to be able to do this. You can't just send us the bill and have us read it and know what it all means and come back and say, yeah, fine, go ahead. Okay, so is that kind of what's been going on then behind yeah. the scenes? Yeah, that's what's been going on. We heard rumblings that uh, there's a big committee of the cabinet called Legislation Committee that gets... So the government decides it wants legislation. The premier's office gives instructions. They give it to a ministry. The ministry gets its lawyers or the government lawyers drafting the bill. The bill goes to the committee. And one of the questions now at the committee is, have we consulted First Nations on this? And sometimes the answer is no, not yet. We're not finished yet. Well, they won't approve the bill. It doesn't get out of committee, and it sits there waiting for those consultations. I think that's probably the explanation for something that, you know, David Eby promised a real estate flipping tax. Well, normally, uh, a tax bill like that would show up with the budget. It didn't. One assumes that it's held up in this process as well. Okay, interesting. So they, 
Is this process going to change at all because of this, do you think? I don't know, you know. We, the collectively, and I say collectively because every member of the legislature voted for legislation enabling the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. So with the best of intentions, we embarked on this role of a larger role for Indigenous people, Indigenous nations, done with the best of intentions. But actually doing it um, is going to take an awful lot more work than I think even the people with the best intentions recognized. And again, I go back to that number, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. Well, there are more recognized First Nations in British Columbia than there are members of the United Nations. So this is an enormous task. And they're diverse nations. They have different interests, different resources, different engagement, different abilities. Uh, it's not going to be easy, even with the best of intentions, to get this going. And at the moment, it appears to have created a legislative long logjam in the B.C. government. All right. So we are getting a couple of things today, though. Yes. Yeah. So we got the uh, disinformation bill last week, and you're going to talk to uh, the Attorney General, Nikki Sharma, yes. about this. So this is a piece of legislation, Simi, undertaken with the best of intentions. The idea is that we know that election time, there is serious misinformation being spread, robocalls that say, that tell, misdirect you to your polling station, uh, misdirect you about what qualifications you need in order to vote. Uh, all kinds of mischief goes on. Uh, the chief electoral officer of BC asked for legislation to rein in these abuses a while ago, and the legislature is in the ho- the legislation has been tabled in the House. It was tabled last week, and as I said, best of intentions. Often, though, Simi, when government does stuff with the best of intentions, there can be unintended consequences. The interesting question to me, I've read the bill once, I want to read it again, but it's hard to figure out. Political parties, Simi, also spread misinformation about each other's record and positions. And one party's disinformation is the other party's messaging. You know, you come out and say, oh, the other side wins the election, they'll cut off funding in health care, right? Or the other side wins election, they'll bankrupt the province. I mean, politicians say these things about each other. The public is used to it. But could this legislation be used, in effect, to go after politicians who, shall we say, tweak each other's records or exaggerate the consequences of the other side winning the election? Yeah, I'm also curious about what was there a particular incident that made them decide they wanted to do this? Um, I think there have been enough stories about robocalls over the last few years that the, the, the chief electoral officer himself, Anton Bogman, looked into this. And he'll be the judge on this, too. So it's not like the government is going to be able to go after people. It'll be the chief electoral officer. But there's been a lot of examples over the years. There was one over here on the island a few years ago in a federal election where the Green Party candidate was disallowed by the Greens, but his name was still on the ballot. And they say, and I say they say because it's never been investigated to know who did it, there were calls being made before the election telling people to vote for the green candidate. Well, those votes would be disallowed. They were like spoiled ballots. And there is evidence that people who voted green, had they voted for somebody else, would have made the difference in who won that 
election. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that this problem is real. I, the interesting thing, and I'm going to be listening this morning to see what the Attorney General says, which is, you know, what controls are there in the legislation? What's the definition of disinformation? And how do we keep the political parties from using it against each other? All good questions that we will ask her about. Oh, very quickly, though, I wanted to ask about the credit rating agencies, too. Yeah, so the credit rating agencies, two of them, Moody's and DBRS, have weighed in on the B.C. budget, and it's uh, very good news for the New Democrats. Both came in and said the budget is prudent, it's conservative, they predicted that the B.C. government will actually exceed its targets, and they point out all the focus in the reporting was on the deficits, they point out, both agencies, the government has set aside more money in contingencies unallocated than the size of the deficits. So they predict that the government won't need all that money it's set aside. So they say the deficit problem isn't as great as it looked up front. British Columbia is still in good position relative to other provinces. And Simi, I think it probably means the New Democrats will hang on to the top credit rating they inherited from the previous B.C. Liberal government. I believe you and I even talked about that last week when the budget yeah. came out, right? Yeah, no, I mean, we uh, in the budget lockup, haul out the pocket calculator, the three deficits, so three years of deficits, $11 billion, money socked away on allocated in contingencies and forecast allowances, almost $17 billion. Uh, yeah. So. That tells that's, us everything. That's the reason uh, we don't need to be, that credit rating agencies say, we don't need to be too worried right. at this point, although things can change. That's true. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.